Thank you, Dan and choir and instrumentalists for leading us so well in worship this morning. Well, Christmas is over. Here's the thing, though. We're still celebrating. There's an important holiday you may not have considered that is sandwiched between Christmas and New Year's and New Year's Eve. Uh, we're celebrating this morning with countless other churches across this great wave of grained land of ours, another holiday. See, today is National Someone Other Than the Pastor Preaching Sunday. <laughs> I'm thankful to be a part of this important Sunday. Many people say it rivals our Christmas Eve services, our choir presentations. Hasn't quite made it up on the billboard or the, the mail out yet. I'm sure it's just a clerical error again this year. Regardless, you're here. You made it. Believe it or not, no ticket needed. I am grateful to be able to speak to you this morning. I'm so thankful that you're here. Hope you had a chance to take a break and spend some time with friends and family. Maybe have a bit of time off and relax. I know family and relax doesn't always travel in tandem together, but I hope that was the case. Obviously, we're making our final entries on 2019, and we're about to turn the page and start writing a new chapter entitled 2020. I don't know about you, but I enjoy the prospect of a new year. I, I like the thought of it, that uh, it's a, a refresh, a, a reboot, a clean slate, a chance to once again try to accomplish new goals or accomplish the same goals that we set out or those resolutions. We get a, another chance at them. It's true, change and transition can be exciting. It can be something that we look forward to. What will this year bring? What will be different? What might be new in my life? What opportunities may come my way? But those shifts aren't always exciting. Change isn't always something we look forward to. A change, a transition can be something that gives us pause or real concern. It brings potential scenarios to mind that are uncomfortable. Those same questions that uh, made us excited about the new year can also highlight what's going to make us uncomfortable and the uncertainty of change. What will this year bring? What will be different now in my life? What will be new that comes my way? Change can be uncomfortable. If you don't believe me, consider the transition of a child into adolescence. It's uncomfortable for everyone involved. For the parents, it's a little awkward, it's a little uncomfortable, and they have conversations with their kids that are uncomfortable, and for the child, it's also uncomfortable for them to have those conversations, and the videos at school, uncomfortable, and bless their hearts, each young man in that situation is just trying to say one sentence, just one sentence without yodeling. The server at your restaurant isn't quite sure what to do when this child going through this transition comes through. They don't know whether to give them an adult menu or maybe a, a children's menu. Of course, dad says, well, you can still pass as a kid. You take that children's menu. 
But the son says, no, no, dad, I can, I can eat it all. I can take that adult menu so I can eat half of it. And then it could get its go box and promptly leave it on the table. And these are hypothetical situations, my hypothetical <laughs> human behavior. Change in life can be uncomfortable. Change can bring excitement or it can make us have discomfort. As we consider it and as we're honest about change, it often brings the fear of the unknown, doesn't it? Years ago, a friend and mine, one summer, we went camping in a very remote spot. We stayed up late and we swapped stories by the fire. Finally, we retired to the tent and we were just about to go to sleep when we were awakened by the unwelcomed sound of swine. Wild pigs run through our campsite, thrashing through everything. Sinister squeals echo out and shadows begin to flash around our tent and root closely by. I gotta be, t- I gotta be, t- I gotta be honest with you. It was terrifying. It was scary. It was dark. No weapons were allowed there in the state park, so we were stuck only with my limited judo skills, (laughs) which would once again prove ineffective. We began to question what to do. In fact, I became indignant with my friend that he did not know what to do. I remember saying, you're from Oklahoma. Don't you know what you're supposed to do? Like... Every person from Oklahoma grew up on a farm or ranch or some yonder holler or something. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of like, what does that even mean? I don't know what to do. And to be fair, he came from a fairly well-established town. Well, we were, we were nervous. We didn't know what to do. This went on for some time. I may have prayed a little through this situation. Eventually, the noise fades into the distance, but we seem to see one circle back around a ways in front of our tent. It's not too far off. It won't budge. We talk back and forth, and we debate on what we should do, on how we should get rid of this thing that is staring us down. Eventually, we decide and land on we will scream and bang things like crazy people. And we did, uh, for longer than I'd like to admit. (laughs) It won't budge though. Eventually, we muster the courage to get out and shine the best flashlight to further inspect what we thought was for sure, for sure a 400 pound boar waiting to ambush us was just a rather large sack that had blown in and stuck to (laughs) some brush in the distance. Not our proudest moment. (laughs) It was the unknown. After hearing all those sounds, after seeing those flashes, being through that situation, It was the unknown, the fact that we couldn't see what was ahead, the fact that we were in the dark that caused such concern. Often it is our fears that have run wild and the the beast that we were sure was waiting was only a figment of our imagination. However, sometimes 
the boar really is waiting just outside the door. You may have real fear about what this year might bring after the year that you just had. What's next? What else can come my way? You may be left thinking, what will this life be like without her? What will this year be like now that he's gone? Joshua chapter 1 is a time of transition that begins with similar questions. The Israelites were faced with the question, what will it be like without Moses? This incredible leader is gone. The people are undoubtedly a bit uneasy about this modification of management. They've finally come to the precipice of the promised land. They are pausing now before they journey across Jordan. In the long shadow of a legend, Joshua waits on the Lord's leading what that must have been like. See, Moses' ministry wasn't without missteps, but make no mistake, his ministry was miraculous. Joshua, when Moses was around, staffs were made into serpents and the Red Sea parted and God's people were delivered in mass exodus from an unimaginable enemy. What can you do, Joshua? How can God work through you? Well, have you seen the detached thumb trick? Excuse me, young man, is that a shekel behind your ear? What do you have, Joshua? What can you do? How will God use you? To be sure, Joshua had been more than a mere assistant. He had been led by the Lord, groomed for this, seasoned through experience. But now Moses is gone. Now jo- jo- Joshua has to take the full reins of Israel. Certainly, he must have done so with no small amount of fear and trembling. But he no sooner assumed leadership from the Lord than the Lord speaks and calms the the fears of his servant, encourages him, fortifies his resolve. Turns out the Lord wasn't surprised at all at Moses' passing. Turns out that he's not surprised by the losses in your life either. As this passage is examined, the clear concepts of both trusting and obeying are abundantly evident. Joshua's journey begins with a command and a calling, and when God gives a command, he often accompanies it with a promise. Such is the case with Joshua. He receives a charge from God in this time of change. I believe this passage has significant implications for a time of transition. Furthermore, I believe it has significant implications for the transition into a new year for you and change in your life. And as always, God's word has the power to be transformational in your life this morning. Will you turn there with me? If you're not there already, will you turn in or turn on your Bible to Joshua chapter one? I'll read those verses. You put your eyes on them as well. Joshua chapter one. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving you to them, to the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads. I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a familiar passage of scripture. Has a bit of a a sad start to the story and it may seem strange to our modern ears to open a book with a death but it links this book to the Pentateuch, to the books of Moses. The Lord says, it's time to get up and go over Jordan, you and all these people. Go into the land that I've promised you. I want you to consider this morning the promise of God and then the part of the servant. The first promise given is God says he'll give his provision. He'll give his provision. Look at verse 3 again. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. Note that some 38 years earlier, Joshua had explored this good and fruitful land as one of those 12 spies. Three times in this passage, the Lord stresses, I'm giving you this land. You're going to divide this land. I've given it to you. Over the centuries, God had reaffirmed this promise from his first words to Abraham to his last words to Moses. God would take them over the Jordan into this enemy territory. He would then enable them to claim for themselves the land that he had promised them. See, God had already given them the land. It was now their responsibility to go and take hold of it, to conquer it, to claim it. Do you know this morning, you may be rich and not even know it. It's true. You may have unclaimed cash. Right now, the state of Texas holds $5 billion in unclaimed cash and valuables. The Texas comptroller paid $308.4 million in unclaimed property in claims in 2018. So you were wondering how you're going to pay for all those Christmas presents. This may be the the way that happens. ClaimItTexas.org shows all these people who have not claimed this money. Some of them are huge amounts of money, and they, they just have to go and claim it. 
See, the Israelites had been given this great wealth, this great provision, and they just had to go across. They just had to go claim it. And God provided for them. In fact, one of the very names of God, Jehovah, Jireh, means to provide. And believer, you need to understand this morning that God has provided for you. In fact, he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing, the Bible tells us, in heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 1, 3. We too, in faith, have to step out and claim those blessings, claim those possessions that God has blessed us with. He provides. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew 7.11, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And as James would tell us, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. It doesn't change. There's no shadow of turning. He provides. See, he promised to provide. Furthermore, He gives his provision, but he also gives his protection. Look at verse five. No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one can defeat you. Joshua, no one will be able to come up against you all the days of your life. It wasn't because Joshua was such a bad man that he had learned jujitsu. Anybody in the octagon with him immediately tapped out. That's not the situation at all. The reality was is God was fighting for him. God had given them the victory. Decades earlier, the people had gone across and they had wavered in faith when they'd seen the warriors that were in the land. Those warriors were still there. They hadn't lost one ounce of military prowess. It was God that was going to make them flee. The enemies of Israel could not succeed because God was greater than those enemies. God promised, I'll give you my protection. I'm going to fight for you. I'll go before you. Famously, actor Jimmy Stewart found comfort in a psalm of protection, Psalm 91. Before he went off to war, his father wrote him a letter and wrote some of Psalm 91 there when he returned from war in over 20 campaigns. He had a tattered copy of Psalm 91. He spoke of the power of God's word and the protection that God gives his people. See, the Bible isn't unclear about the protection of God. God doesn't promise that nothing bad would ever happen. Doesn't promise that they will escape all pain or trouble or death in this life. No, rather, this was a promise to Joshua, to God's people, that if they faithfully followed, if they both trusted and obeyed, he would protect and that they would possess the land. And Joshua would fulfill his directive. See, God had made Joshua a conqueror. Friends, Christ has made us more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37. But in all things... 
We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has given us his protection. He has made us more than conquerors. Not only can we claim the promise of God that he provides because of Jesus, but we too can claim that he gives us protection as he has made us more than conquerors through his defeat of death, sin, hell, and the grave. His victory, now our victory. His resurrection, now our resurrection. And the wrath that we were to face and the the penalty of sin that we deserved cannot stand against us all the days of our life, for he has given us this protection through his son. He promised his provision. He promised his protection. Maybe most importantly, he promised his presence. Look at verse five. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse nine, do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So these words, I will never leave you can be rendered, I won't drop you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I won't abandon you. Joshua must have been tremendously relieved to hear the Lord say, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Moses' greatness was not due to Moses, but to the Lord. Joshua had nothing to worry about with Moses gone because the Lord was not gone. Recently in Moms, our Moms Ministry to Preschool Mothers, a mother got up and shared her testimony about the experience she had when she had her third child. She went in to have the child and it seemed that everything went wrong. Next thing she knew, she was having to have multiple blood transfusions and her life was at that point where it was very critical and very, very serious. In fact, she had to be watched throughout the night. To to add to the difficulty, her husband had to split time between now three children and his wife who was fighting for her life and he was having to go back and forth and he couldn't consistently be at her side and she recalled waking up throughout the night and her father-in-law was there. Sometimes she would wake up and it would be silent. Other times she would wake up, he would be singing singing hymns over her. But she said, no matter what, he he never let go of my hand. No matter what, he never let go of my hand. You never forget. You never forget when someone holds to your hand, someone who is there in the darkest of night. The Lord says, I'll be with you. I'll be there with you. I'll hold to you. 
You never forget when someone holds to your hand. On, on the other hand, some of the moments that have forever marked us are the moments when someone let go, said they would be there and they weren't. They wouldn't leave and they're gone. A parent, a friend, a spouse, they, they still hurt and we wince when we remember. We often find it hard to trust those words, I won't leave you, I won't forsake you, because we've been left, and to be fair, we too have abandoned others. But listen, listen, God doesn't walk out on his promises. It was true in Joshua's story, and it's true for you too. Every line on every page of your story points to the promise, to this truth that God will not fail We are not forsaken, and he is faithful. See, God has given this promise to his people today. The Gospel of Matthew opens with Emmanuel. God is with us and closes with Jesus saying, Lo, I am with you always. In fact, the writer of Hebrews 13.5 quotes this passage. Joshua 1.5 applies it to Christians today. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That means that God's people can move forward in God's will and be assured of God's presence. For truly, if God be for us, who can be against us? I want you to pay attention to the promise of God. He gives his provision his protection, his presence. He even promises prosperity if they'll obey. Now in our minds, we have to abandon the Western notion of wealth and success and see a vision of prosperity that means accomplishing one's mission and God's given purpose in life. It wasn't that they would be happy and perfect and healthy and wealthy, but rather faithful, fruitful, successfully accomplishing and obeying what God had called them to. See, the Lord explicitly tied obedience to success. The God who had promised to give the Israelites the land would not do so apart from their obedience. Let me be clear as well. These these promises aren't for everyone. These promises were to God's servants and his people. (laughs) Not everyone gets a trophy in a juice box when God's team is victorious. This is exclusive for the faithful, for those who who have accepted now in, in our place Christ's work on the cross as we consider it in our context. See, God promised his provision, his protection, his presence, and even his prosperity. But we can't forget the obedience side of this. We see God's part, but we have to consider our part and the part of the servant and his people. He tells us, be courageous. He tells Joshua, be courageous. You see in verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You begin to think maybe he wants us to be strong and courageous. You're right, he does. (laughs) This was the commandment given to Joshua. It's based on God's power through his word. He says, be courageous. He goes on to say, be careful. Be careful. Be 
careful. Be courageous and then be careful. In fact, I want you to look at verse seven there. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. You look at verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it on day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it to enjoy prosperity, to be successful in this conquest of Canaan. Joshua, you must do these things. You must be careful. My words must be on your mouth and you must meditate on on my truth in your heart. A final thing, he says, be courageous, be careful, And then be consistent. He says, don't turn to the left or the right. Stay focused. Stay on the path. Keep continuing with what I've asked you to do. What about you? God's given us these precious promises. Are you holding up your end of the deal? Are you living this life courageously, carefully, consistently, with God at the helm. Could it be this morning that God is directing your distracted gaze back to him? Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, look at me. Joshua, listen, I'm gonna be with you, I won't leave you, so be courageous, be careful, be consistent. See, God promises Joshua, his servant, his provision, I'm gonna care for you. His protection, I'm going to fight for you. His presence, I'm going to be with you. And I'll even give you success and my prosperity if you'll follow my word. If you'll be courageous, careful, and consistent in your obedience. Now, I know we're not crossing over Jordan into the conquest of Canaan this morning. But we are on the edge of change, on the tip of transition. And as we go into a new year, I wonder what your plans for another year are. When they're unfurled, your hopes, your dreams, your goals, your resolutions, do they reveal a blueprint for expanding his kingdom or for yours? He's given us these promises, but we must do our part. If you had to boil it all down, he he says... Be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. I won't forsake you. Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. I won't let you go. Maybe you need to put your name there this morning and hear the Lord say your name. Be strong. Be courageous. I'm with you. I won't let you go. So as we walk into a new year, let us ponder God's charge in a time of change. Let us echo the Lord for a moment. Get up and go over. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or dismayed because the Lord your God, the Lord my God, is with you wherever you go. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, we're grateful that 
when our strength is not enough, God, your strength is perfect. God, we treasure the promises you give us in Scripture. We're so grateful for Jesus who has made these promises a reality for believers. God, help us to walk into a new year, God, not fearfully, God, courageously. Not because of our own strength, because, God, we know that you're with us. We ask and pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.